and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. I often see photographers describing themselves as self-taught. Obviously, that means they didn't study photography in any kind of formal situation. Sometimes I think people might wear that as a kind of a badge of honour, that, look, I did that on my own. And guess what? I could wear that badge as well, but I never really feel any need to kind of talk about how I learnt about photography. I just learnt about photography. And what that meant to me was going down to bookshops and looking through the books, pulling them off of the shelves. I was very lucky because I grew up in London, and back in those days, uh, the Charing Cross Road was filled with fantastic bookshops, um, Zwemmers being one of them, Shipley's being another. But as well as that, I could also go to the Design Centre, which had a fantastic bookshop uh, on the Haymarket. So I would go there and I would pull these books off the shelf and I would look at them. Now, none of these books were about how-to. They weren't manuals. They weren't photo books in that sense of teaching you how to take photographs. Occasionally, I'd try and look at them, but I have to be honest, I would just pull away. I was just bored. I just couldn't concentrate on um, the manual. I'm still the same today. So what I was looking at were books of photographs, and my education came through that. Today... It's very easy to access so many photographers and their work. However, that happenstance of chance might occur on something like Instagram. But that idea of just being able to pull a book off a shelf because it looks interesting has gone. So what does that leave us with? Well, Google is great. If you know the search term, if you know the name of the photographer, if you know what you're looking for, if you don't, it's pretty hopeless because you're going to spend hours and hours going down rabbit holes and getting frustrated. So I decided to do something about this. Also, I have to say, because it does shock me how many young photographers have so little knowledge of the greats of photography. I don't think it's necessarily their fault. I think a lot of it is because of Instagram, because photography is being taught by teachers who are given names of photographers on Instagram based on the idea of the Photoshop effects that they use and if they're appropriate for the class that they're teaching. What I'm talking about is those archives, that great work that goes back over the last 100 or so years of photography. They're the photographers I think we can all really learn from. It doesn't matter if we're just starting out or if, like me, you're constantly discovering photographers that you hadn't heard of. So I decided to do something about it, and this is what I did. I've built, and I'm continuing to build, a photographic archive. Now, this archive exists for you for free to access whenever you wish on the unitednationsofphotography.com website. If you go to the top uh, menu on the opening page that you go to, you'll see there's a tag there that says The Photographer's Archive. Now, what you will then see when you click on that is in alphabetical order a list with a very short description of the uh, photographer's work with hot links 
to all of the photographers that I can think of at the moment that have archives available online on various different platforms in various different places that could be interested in you for you, I should say, to explore. Now, I say what I can think of. So I'm constantly thinking of other photographers to add to it. So this is a living, breathing list. This is an archive that's going to continue to grow. I'm not aware of anything like it currently in existence. And the reason for that is because it doesn't matter if it's music, fashion, commissioned, documentary, contemporary art practice work. All of it is in this archive. And what I've also said is if anybody knows of people who aren't on there, who you feel should be on there, to email me through the United Nations of Photography.com website with your suggestions. It may even be that you're suggesting yourself. And I'll consider that as well. So going forward, here's the plan to create a living, breathing photographic archive for photographers over the age of 60 only, and those who have passed. All of that work that doesn't get seen that often and could very easily get forgotten. And that's not something I want to happen. Whilst we're talking about photo books, photography books, books filled with photographs, something rather strange happened in the last week or so. I've gone back to teaching. It's the beginning of the new semester and I returned to my office um, at Oxford Brookes University. I have a really uh, lovely office, actually, which is great because it's shared with all of the team that we work with uh, on the photography uh, course. But anyway, I arrived um, into the office and there were three boxes which had appeared mysteriously in the office. I had no knowledge that these boxes were going to appear, and it seemed rather strange. So when a colleague of mine uh, came into the office, I thought, well, I'll have a look through them. We did. And they were filled with incredible photography books. Work by Nan Golden and Faye Godwin and uh, Walker Evans and Robert Frank and all of these great books. And that was fantastic. And we were like, wow, where have these come from? Who did these belong to? And then we saw who they belonged to. Not a name that we knew or we could recognise or we had any knowledge of. But how we knew was because the person who had owned all these beautiful and in some cases extremely valuable books had put their name all over them. They'd written in felt pen on the front cover. They'd written on the paper spine of the book. They'd written inside the book, on the inside front cover, and on the first page of the book. So their name was opposite each other. On the actual spine of the book, they'd used tipex and they'd created kind of like a almost like an impasto kind of texture with tons and tons of tipex. Tipex, by the way, for those of you who don't remember it, kind of white. Uh, liquid uh, paper you used to use when you were typewriting. So they'd used uh, this tipex on the spine and then engraved their uh, initials. Every single book in all three boxes, and these boxes were packed tight, had been ruined in this way. A simple name would have been fine. It was very clear that somebody didn't want these books to be stolen. Now, in our office, they're known 
as the photo book vandal. It may be hard to imagine for people who know me now, but back in 1976, I was a very keen skateboarder. In fact, I was a very keen skateboarder when there were very few skateboarders around, specifically in the UK. It was a very niche sport. Anyway, 1976-1977 with my Benji board ACS125 trucks and Rough Rider six wheels. At the South Bank, the slalom slopes on the seafront in Britain, Britain, I should say, in Brighton, and the speed slope at Crystal Palace Park, where my play were my playground to the soundtrack of Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers playing Roadrunner. They're very fond memories for me, and I still own that skateboard and my bright orange skateboarding helmet. Well, why am I telling you all of this? Well, this week's photographer joining us to explain what photography means to him is very closely related to skateboarding also. Greg Hunt is an American filmmaker, photographer and visual artist based in Los Angeles who began making photographs in the mid-1990s as a professional skateboarder when he was given a Minolta X700 and two lenses, a 50mm 1.4 and a fisheye. Shortly after he began making stills, he began experimenting with motion picture film, eventually transitioning to work behind the lens full-time. Greg has since created some of skateboarding's most seminal films, along with a multitude of documentaries, commercials and music videos. Two books of his stills have been published, 96 Dreams, 2000 Memories in 2018 and 20th Century Summer in 2021. The 96 Dreams, 2000 Memories and his Between the Lines bodies of work were exhibited in Tokyo in 2020. I'm just going to jump on that Benji board and uh, take a listen to what Greg's got to tell us. In thinking about what photography means to me, I think I'll talk a bit about the act of actually making a picture versus looking at others' pictures. Uh, because I do appreciate and I am inspired by all photography, but my photography specifically, uh, to be honest, is pretty limited, both in um, my technical approach and what I choose to capture. So I'll focus on what photography means to me as someone who shoots photographs. Uh, As someone who's been taking pictures for almost 30 years, I think that um, photography for me, it really comes down to two things, and that's my curiosity about people and my relationship with these people. Um, of course, uh, form is a huge part of it um, for me. Finding a strong composition is always a big motivation uh, when I'm shooting or when I'm editing my photos. Um, but again, but again it, it really comes back to the people as what most often inspires me to pick up a camera. Uh, even if a person isn't even in the frame itself at all, as it sometimes happens. Um, Photography is something that I discovered in my 20s as a skateboarder and quickly fell in love with, uh, which which soon uh, led me down a path into cinematography and filmmaking, which for the last 20 years uh, plus has been my work or my trade. Um, Through this time, 
I've always shot stills, but never on assignment or for work. Um, so photography has become this sort of anchor, which enables me to always create personal work, um, no matter what film project or work project is consuming me or stressing me out at the time. Um, and that's become really important and I've really kind of tried to keep it that way. Um, if I'm anything like, if it, you know, anything like uh, a lot of the people that are listening here, uh, sometimes just, you know, knowing that I got one great photo in a day. I mean, I shoot, st- I shoot film still, um, but just that feeling of knowing that you got one really great photo is sometimes all I need to keep me happy in that day, despite whatever else might be going on. And that's been consistent since uh, I started taking pictures. Um, so this kind of brings me back to people again, um, from the very first pictures of mine, people are all I've ever really photographed. My last book, which is titled 20th century summer is a collection of my very first pictures. Uh, and essentially what it is, is just a document of the people I was traveling with on a skateboarding tour in the summer of 1995. Um, I'd just been given a camera by a good friend, roommate, who was also a photographer, but I had absolutely no awareness of photography and I didn't aspire in any way to be a photographer. It was really just something fun for me to do during that trip. Um, So it was very pure in that way. And while editing through these pictures, uh, which was 12 rolls of black and white film, Uh, Now, 30 years later, it led me to think, you know, going through these pictures led me to think kind of less about the pictures themselves and more about why I was even shooting them in the first place. You know, like, why was I wandering into hotel rooms taking pictures of these people? Why were are there so many pictures of these people, these same people in the same van that we would drive in every day as we drove across country on this trip? Um, some of these people are my close friends, some not so much. So, you know, kind of why, why was I doing this? Why was I taking pictures? Yeah, I was bored for sure. And it was something to do. This is pre cell phone. But I realized that a lot of this also came from my own securities and social unease and how having a camera became the perfect way for me to be around everyone while not really being around them and having to interact, which is hard for me. And it became clear then looking at my pictures beyond that first summer of taking, taking pictures that this has been a pattern throughout my entire life as a photographer. And this is sort of my, my point here. I think this is something I, I, that I feel um, specifically is common with so many photographers, but it seems like something that's never discussed. Uh, So many of us are introverted. So many of us are sort of, I guess, outliers. A lot of us aren't inherently outward or social. I mean, I do know photographers definitely who are very outgoing and bold in, in their personalities, but this quiet type seems so much more common just with the photographers I've you know, met and befriended and ran into over the years. And if you think about it, a camera is a great way to be in social situations and not fear the same types of rejection that you might 
face if you're just standing there. You can be quiet with the camera. You can watch and listen. You can get close. You can leave without saying goodbye. <laughs> These are all things I was never able to do comfortably before I had a camera and something that's become almost a part of my DNA since I started taking pictures. A camera gives you this sort of liberty to walk into a space and mill around and stare at people and not look totally weird. Or maybe you do look weird to some people, I'm sure you do, but the camera at least gives you a purpose. It's kind of like putting on an orange vest. You know, you can put on an orange vest and walk out into the street and just do about anything in the middle of the road. You can direct traffic, you can paint some new lines and people will just drive by and assume that it's your job. I think photography is a bit of the same. It kind of gives you this license in a way to be in a space. So I guess what I'd say is, you know, in terms of what photography means to me is what it's given me. It's and what it's given me and its unique ability to bring me closer to the world, um, both in allowing me to study people and gain an understanding of people, um, while also connecting me with, me with them in a way that might never have happened otherwise. And uh, that's it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Greg, for your contribution. As always, if you're not aware of his work, check out his website, check him out online, and check out his films. Really interesting to hear so much kind of nostalgia, I think, in this uh, week's episode. I've enjoyed that. And actually, I'm working on a project at the moment which is filled with nostalgia, a book to be coming out in 2024. I can't tell you too much about it at the minute, but as always, stay tuned and I'll keep you updated. Suffice to say, in the last week alone, I've heard some hilarious stories about working with Cecil Beaton, um, with Norman Parkinson, with David Bailey, and also with uh, Helmut Newton. Who knew that they would all come together in one book? Well, they're going too soon, alongside a whole load of other photographers, celebrities, writers, uh, models, uh, people from magazines, all sorts of stuff. So that's the project I'm working on at the moment. I hope you're having success with whatever projects you're working on. You know, personal work is that. There's a clue in the title. So keep it personal and keep it important to you. I think Greg uh, gave us a great example of that this week. Anyway, that's it for this week's episode. Just leaves me to say, of course, take care. <laughs>